that's why we're here, God. We're here as a corporate community of people worshiping your name. It's the only name by which men and women are saved from themselves, from the world, so they can have a relationship with the God who made them and the God who made the world. And so, God, we come this morning excited to worship you and give praise and honor and glory to the only name that has saved us. Lord, you teach our hearts, and you change our lives, where we walk away with a greater vision, a greater knowledge, and a greater comfort in your name. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Good morning. Um, welcome to Awaken. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. And uh, we just finished up a teaching series uh, titled Undercover Church. And we looked at the church, one church in Philippi, and saw that churches uh, don't always start the way you think they do, and they certainly don't always start the way that we try to start them in America. We also looked at that church and that it was a messy church. It was a messy church. Um, but there was a lot of beauty in that mess because God worked in people's lives. We're starting a new series next week called What the Bible Does Not Say, tackling some common misconceptions that people have or common sayings that people think are in the Bible, like God works in mysterious ways or God helps those who help themselves. You see, those aren't in the Bible, but we talk about them as if they were, as if they were true. And so we're here stuck between series and we were wondering what in the world we would talk about on this Sunday. And what topic could we share on Mother's Day? So we're going to talk about moms. And we're in between series, and it's Mother's Day. And just like Philippi was a messy church, sometimes being a mom is messy too, right? And it's not your fault, moms. We all know that. It's your husband's fault, and it's your kid's fault. So... I should have gotten at least a few more come-ons or amends there, mom. Come on now. Come on now. Um, it's because of your kids and husbands. We know that. I'm guilty, okay? I'm going to put myself and um, give a verdict, render a verdict against myself. I am guilty for making a mess in my household sometimes. And I have an amazing wife and mother who, who cleans up after me and, and doesn't uh, hit me too hard. Um, but mom life really is this hashtag mom life is messy kind of thing. And so maybe you're a mom right now, and you're the mom of multiple kids, and parenting is overwhelming. Maybe you're the mom of twins, double trouble. Maybe you're a mom, and you've had, and you're wrestling with postpartum, and you're struggling to connect again, to connect again with others, and joy is hard to find. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom who's homeschooling and you're so tired all the time. Maybe you're a working mom, though, and you never feel like you spend enough time with your kids. Maybe you want to be a mom, but your Prince Charming hasn't come along yet, and you know your biological clock is ticking, and you wonder, where is God in all this, and where is Mr. Right? Maybe you're a mom, but you had a miscarriage. Or you lost a child, 
in infancy and death. Maybe you're a military mom and you've faced long deployments. Your husband's away from home and you're getting ready to move again. Maybe you're a mom and you're having to live in a foreign culture to raise your kids. And maybe that foreign culture is actually America. Maybe you're a mom who, um, your kids are going away to college. And you're scared. Because your voice isn't going to be perhaps as loud as other voices in your lives. Maybe you're a mom and your husband is out of work. And so you've had to go back to work and you're single-income family is, is not cutting it. Maybe you're a mom and, and you are the spiritual leader of your family because your husband is too tired or too busy or not spiritually mature enough yet. Maybe you're a mom and one of your children has a learning disability and it's breaking your heart. Maybe you're a mom and you were unable to protect one of your kids from sexual assault. Maybe you're a mom and one of your kids is not walking with God right now. And it's bringing agony to your soul. Maybe you're a mom and you're actually having to slowly take care of your own mom. As she ages in front of you. As she grapples with mental illness. Maybe you're a mom and relationships with your own family. With your own brothers and sisters is fractured. Maybe your mom and one of your parents passed away too soon. Maybe it was cancer. And now you're scared of that in your own life. Maybe you're a mom who's scared for your husband's health. Maybe you're a mom, not necessarily to a biological child, but you, you've adopted someone on the margins of society. And the emotional, financial, spiritual strain of, of parenting them is hard. Maybe you're a mom who's fostered children and your heart for those children still aches even though you can't keep up with them anymore. Maybe you're a mom who feels like a taxi driver, <laughs> driving your kids all over the place. Maybe you're a mom who teaches for a living and you don't just have your own kid, but you have 25 other kids in the classroom that you care for and love deeply. Maybe you're a mom who struggles with chronic pain and you need recurring medical care. And you can't do some of the other things that moms do. Maybe you're a mom crying out to God at the end of your rope because life is too hard. Maybe you're a mom who's had such difficult pregnancies that you've just been put on bed rest. Maybe you're in a, a mom who's between church communities without close relationships. Maybe you're a mom and your kids are older and gone, but the house is quiet, empty, and lonely. And we can continue this. And as you're sitting here, maybe you've connected as a mom to one of these things. You don't even have to be a mother to connect to some of those things. My purpose was not necessarily for you to connect with some of those things, although I'm certain some of you did. My purpose was to describe actually every single one of those situations my mother faced. Every single one of them. And I look at her life, <laughs> and she's not even here, I might get a little choked up. And I look at her life and I wonder, Mom, how in the world, how did you deal with every single one 
of those situations. Every one of those she endured. Where did she find the strength, the hope? What helped her get through those? So my hope this morning is we've said, hashtag mom life is messy. And again, I look at my mother and her hopes and her hardships, and I'm amazed. And I was processing that as I was preparing for this teaching, wondering how. And um, in my inbox, I uh, got a resource from Focus on the Family. It said, 10 habits you need to be a happier mom. And I said, okay, I'm curious. I'm not a mother. But I was curious. And I, I opened it up. I took the time to read the article. And again, I was overwhelmed at what my mom faced, at what every single one of those things that my mother faced. And I thought about that article, 10 things to be a happier mom. And I just said, what in the world are we doing? If we're trying to tell mothers that they need to incorporate 10 habits to be a happier mom. This resource, this podcast, this Instagram feed, all these things that you have to do. And I'm wondering how in the world does a mom even have time to incorporate 10 habits to be happier? Is that what we are saying as an evangelical Christian nation that our moms just need to have more habits so they can be happier? And I, in my spirit, I was just feeling no. Because what I'd love to share with you this morning are not 10 habits, but three things that I saw from my mom. Three things that I saw her do that got through all of those things. So I'd like to share those three things. The first, my mom read God's word. She derived her daily strength from God's word. The second thing she did, she prayed toward a God-centered vision for her household, for her marriage, and her children. Her security came not through her happiness, not through her habits, but through her clinging on to the promises of God. And those promises she prayed. And then last, my mother orbited her life around the community of church. She did not orbit her life around her children, around career, or even around chaos. And when I say chaos, we know what that means. Chaos is a bad word for it. We've like replaced it with a nicer word called called busyness. No one likes to be chaotic, but everybody likes to be busy. But my mother made sure that her life orbited around the community that she had at church not around all the other things that she could have been doing to get through these things. And she derived her significance from being in the house of the Lord, worshiping her God. Three things, strength, security, and significance. Those are all things that we all need to be moms. So let's jump in to actually a a few biblical stories. Again, we're not going to run through a bunch of points or habits but just some stories. And my hope is that as we share these stories, you guys can make the connection, especially you moms. So the first story um, is uh, the story of Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. And and, and again, 
I love that our faith is given to us in stories, not data points. Because you see, stories reveal the character of people, and stories are about people, not data or information. Our faith is about Jesus Christ, a person. So let's read. Uh, Mary, if you'll remember, um, she was a young teenager experiencing significant social shame, unmarried, but yet the town around her sees that she's with child. She has a calling and mission from God, but where is she going to get the strength to get through the shame? And that could be a situation that you're facing right now. Where are you going to get the strength to get through the shame? read Luke 1 46 through 55 Mary said my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him he has done a mighty deed with his arm he has created the proud he has scattered the proud forgive me because of the thoughts of their hearts, he has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. This was Mary's praise and song after learning that she would be the woman who'd have to give birth to the Messiah. She would be the woman to endure all of the shame for the greatness and glory of God. And when you read that, you know what's really interesting about that? It sounds a lot like the Psalms. If you picked up the Psalms, read any of them, 1 through 150, you'd be like, oh, there's, there's some similarities here. In fact, Psalm 98.3 says this, he has remembered his mercy and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Verse 54 in Luke 1. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy. How is Mary coping with what's going on? She is saturated with the word of God, and she is deriving her daily strength from God's word, able to put in song and praise what God is doing and drawing from the great songs of old. Drawing from the songs. So one of the things that I did in high school, uh, I was in the IB program. Some of you are like nerd. It's true. Um, and uh, we'd have to wake up. Uh, you had to be at school at 7 a.m. I lived about 30 minutes from school. So I had to wake up 6, 6.15 um, I had to wake up earlier if I didn't do my homework, which happened. You know, it didn't seem like it mattered if I woke up at 6 or 5.30. My mom was always awake before I was. In fact, I don't really know when she woke up. But her Bible was open on the kitchen table or open on her favorite chair in the living room. And she'd already spent time with God that morning. Every morning, I woke up like clockwork for four years. And my mom had already spent time with God. Some mornings, 
I might still just catch a fleeting glimpse. She's still reading, highlighting some things, still making some notes. And I see her in the chair, I see her at the table. And then some mornings, I know I was the one who got her out of her quiet time, because you know moms have that internal clock. My mom's like 615, my, my boy's not out of bed yet. And so what she would do is she would just grab one ice cube. She'd just lob it in bed. Now, I don't know about y'all, but having one cold ice cube, being half asleep and tired, you get out of bed because you don't want th- that thing to melt and roll over in a wet, cold puddle while you're trying to sleep. That was her way of waking us up. I know I just gave y'all moms a couple good ideas. I know you high school guys are like, oh, no. Come on, bro. My mother was awake reading God's word. And I can't help but think, as I reflected about every one of those situations that I shared at the start of this message, that's why she was in God's word. She needed the strength to get through. Let's move on to the next story. Um, The next story comes from the Old Testament, from Judges. Uh, You can flip over to Judges 4. We'll start in verse 17. Judges is such an interesting book because it's, it's really a, a book about a cycle. God's people sin, screw up, and they have to be rescued and delivered. And I feel like that's in so many ways our cycle, right? We sin, we screw up, we mess up, and God has to forgive us. Praise God that that cycle was stopped at Christ. That Christ, once and for all, interrupted that cycle with his perfect sacrifice. But before Christ, Israel had given this promised land to inherit and to rule over. And yet they kept leaving God's standard. And God kept sending people, judging them for their sin. And so we're in the middle of this story and this narrative and God has just rescued his people, the Israelites, through Deborah as the leader. And the general named Barak have just defeated a great army, and now they're scattered out. And this general named Sisera, who opposes God, comes to the tent of Jael. This is Judges 4, verse 17. And again, at this time, uh, the story tells us that Jael is a wife. Most likely she's a mother. It says that right now her, her clan is actually at peace with the opposing invading army. But this is what the text says. Again, starting in verse 17. The Lord threw Sisera, all his charioteers and all his army, into confusion with the sword before Barak. Sisera left his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Harasheth of the nation. So the whole army of Sisera fell by the sword. Not a single man was left. Verse 17. Meanwhile, Sisera had fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to greet Sisera and said to him, Come in, my lord. Come in with me. Don't be afraid. So he went into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. He said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. She opened a container of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him again. Then he said to her, stand at the entrance to the tent. If a man comes and asks you, is there a man in here, say no. While he was sleeping from exhaustion, Heber's wife, Jael, took a tent peg, grabbed a hammer, went silently to Sisera. She hammered the peg into his temple and drove it into the ground, and he died. 
I mean, outside of being a pretty awesome story, outside of making me fear sometimes when I go to sleep, <laughs> what my wife will do to me. Jael understood something. You see, she was at peace. Her clan was at peace with the invading army. There was no outright war. But the world always says that, does it not? The world always says you're at peace. Don't rock the boat. Nothing's going to hurt your kids. Nothing's going to hurt your family. Nothing's going to invade. And here the commander of the army that's been oppressing the land is in her tent. And she kills him. And I think this is powerful because there is a vision that we have to pursue God's word, to inherit the land, and that there is a world that says, no, you're at peace. Don't rock the boat. And we've got to make up our mind. When the world comes into our home, are we going to compromise? Or are we going to pick up the hammer of God's word and drive it out? love the verse Genesis 3.15. From the very beginning of creation, God curses our enemy, the one who oppresses us, Satan, just like this general Cicero was oppressing them. He says, I'll put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Jael struck the serpent from her tent. It wouldn't have been long before Sisera and his army would have begun to oppress her clan, would have begun to invade her territory. And she recognized and knew that. So um, I think that's a great reminder that in our minds, we have to have the vision of who God has called us to be to inherit the promised land. Jael saw that vision and interrupted and destroyed anything that got in his way. My mom did the same to me. Um, praying for me, having a vision for my life, and going to college. My mother knew that I was leaving her tent, and she had the option to share with me a vision that she'd been praying for for my life, and so she did. She shared with me why she named me Andrew Daniel Rockefeller. She shared Andrew because she wanted me just to bring people to Jesus and tell people about Jesus. And Daniel said I would be praying for our nation. This was Daniel's vision. And my mom said that she'd been praying that over me since I was born. See, my mother has a vision. And why she's able to keep that vision is really simple. She derives security from her God because she knows the promises of her God and that she is going to drive out the world and the enemy. You see, if you're a mom and you're trying to give security to your children, but you don't have security, that's a very difficult thing to pass on to your children. Giving them spiritual security if you don't have spiritual security. My mother had spiritual security. She was just like Jael. She was just like a woman who said, the world is not going to sleep in my tent. I have a vision for the promised land and a vision for my children. And I'm going to drive it out. Reasons why we were grounded. 
reasons why we weren't allowed to listen to music, reasons why there was some tension in our home when we were in high school, is my mom wasn't interested in raising happy children. My mom was interested in seeing the vision of her household align with God's. And she was willing to pay the price. She was willing to go through fights and arguments. She was willing to go through dissonance with her children because her vision was something that she derived security from because that security was rooted in the promises and the word of God. And my mother knew those things because she read the Bible daily and received her strength from those things. Let's go to our last story. The story of Hannah, again, in the Old Testament. Um, Hannah, um, her story actually um, kicks off getting out of the Judges. And uh, Hannah is a wife, but she wants to be a mom. She's barren. But she prays and she trusts in her God. And she derives her significance from orbiting her life around community and around the rhythms of worship that her people had. Even when the promise and the hope that she wanted of children wasn't coming to pass. She derived her significance from being in the house of the Lord. This is what it says in 1 Samuel 1, 15 through 20. She's in the house of the Lord, and she's praying out to God, and and the priest actually kind of thinks she's drunk and and accuses her of that. And this is what she says in verse 15. No, my Lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer, but I'm pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the petition you've requested to him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way and ate and no longer appeared downcast. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to bow and to worship the Lord. Afterwards, they returned home to their mom. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him. Psalm 84, 10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be at the door of the house of my God than to live in the tents of the wicked. You see, Hannah orbited her life around worshiping the Lord, being in the house of the Lord, even giving her son over to the house of the Lord and not withholding him when the time was right. Her life was about worshiping God. Later we read that after Hannah's given her son to the work in the house of the Lord, she has more children, and God blesses her. But I think it's important that we know that Hannah orbited her life around the community of God, around the rhythms of worship that God's people had. And in those rhythms and in that community, she cried out to God. Um, there's an unwritten agreement in our household growing up um, as a kid. The unwritten agreement was this. 
church or nothing. See, my mom wanted us to play sports, wanted us to exceed in school, but not at the cost of skipping church, skipping youth group, skipping summer camps. It was church or nothing else. So they wouldn't pay for sports if we weren't in the people of, with the people of God. And it sounds like carrot and stick, but you see, my, my mom kind of knew something. It's more important to teach these rhythms to my children. Even if they're struggling with why, I want them in the house of the Lord. And my mom drew that line. And I think more is caught than taught. And because my mom drew that line, it was something that I came to value as a kid. I remember even the first time I went on vacation um, with my uh, fiance, and uh, we were on vacation at a lake house, and it was Sunday. I'm like, where are we going to church? They're like, oh, we don't go to church on vacation. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a deal breaker. <laughs> but I was like, what? You, you just skip church on Sunday? Like, you're allowed to do that? <laughs> like, what? My mom had us in church. But you know what's great about that? Is my mom wasn't a hypocrite. She was in church as well. It was a place where she was fed, where she learned, where she was a part of the community of God. She, she didn't have blogs and vlogs and podcasts. She had the community and the people of God when we gathered on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. This was her rhythm. She'd rather be in the house of the Lord than anywhere else. Um, so I'll share, I've been sharing a few stories and, and in some ways they are very personal to a tribute to my mom. I love her so much. I'll share a story where we got in an argument. I'll share a story where my mom was wrong and she realized that. Uh, it was um, freshman year after, uh, just after my freshman year in college. And uh, I wanted to go to a summer project uh, called LT. Um, it was with this weird Asian pastor and uh, his wife and a couple other girls. And, and it was going to cost some money. Um, and it was going to be for the whole summer. And my mom was like, well, you, you really need to come back home. I miss you. You really need, like, your brothers and sisters. You have a twin. She misses you. She's going to be going off to college. Your brother misses you. Like, we need you at home. And I, I kept saying, well, Mom, I prayed about this. I, I feel like I'd really like to go grow spiritually. I'd like to go get discipled. I'd like to learn more about sharing the gospel. And it was like, like a Cold War truce. You know, like that, like you and your mom, like you know you're disagreeing about something, but you've already had a fight about it, and you're like, I'm not talking about it. I hope she's talking about it so she can be the naggy mom, right? Maybe some of you kids, maybe, no? Um, so that's what I'm thinking. And I remember she called me, um, and uh, she called me on the phone. She said, Andrew, I'm sorry. I realize that my kids are God's. And if God is leading you to grow in his word and be discipled and go on missions, why would I withhold you from doing that? 
It meant a lot to them as well. It was a sign of even passing of respect, even of kind of me being enabled to make some of my own choices. When I look at our culture, even when I look at our evangelical Christian American culture, there's so many moms who are holding their kids and saying, don't go be missionaries. You have to raise support. Don't go to this summer project. It's too crazy. We're withholding our children from the great things that God wants them to do because we've forgotten that our children are God's first. And I was extremely moved by the humility and grace that my mother had to remember that, to tell me about that, and then to empower me to go and do that. So we've looked at all three of these stories in Scripture. They've all revolved around women. Um, We could say, oh, that's Mother's Day, ha-ha. Or we could say, actually, when you look at Scripture as a whole, when you look at the stories compiled in Scripture, they're not just about dudes. Because what God did when he created in Genesis, he created men and women to be both redemptive agents in our world. Fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, men and women. And each of those women that we have, they have significant prayers and songs that are attached to them. In fact, I encourage you this week, To remember them, Mary, Hannah, Jael, they have songs of worship and praise and prayers attached to who they are because God is seemingly telling us that mothers and women are redemptive agents in this world as well. Again, we've been talking about these three things, strength, security, significance. We've been talking about my mom, the three things that she did, the stories that I grew up on. But we weren't just talking about her. We were really talking about all of us, were we not? And not just about mom, all of us. Where are we going to derive our strength from, our security from, our significance? All of us have called upon Jesus Christ to be the center of our existence, the savior of our life, the man and God who paid for our sins on the cross. If we have called upon him for that, have we merely paid him lip service and then we scurry around trying to find our own strength, significance, and security through all the things that we do, all of our habits, all of our knowledge, all of our careers and chaos? Or have we looked to receive our daily bread and strength from his word? Not our experiences or independence. Are we praying and pursuing a God-centered vision for the security of our home, our household, our marriage? Are we just kind of taking things as they go? And last, are we finding significance in the house of the Lord and the community of God? Because there's one thing our enemy is trying to do. He's trying to split us away from the household and the community of God. Again, strength, security, significance. 
Strength is found in the daily reading of God's word. Security is found in knowing God's vision for your life. And last, significance is found in the house and the community of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you um, for this morning. We thank you, God, that we can open your word. We can find strength from you. We can see characters who struggle. We can look at women like Mary and Jael and Hannah. And we can see women who had messy lives, but who looked to God. And God, we thank you that you're able to take care of us, God. And those three needs, strength, security, and significance, are all found in you. also humbled by our own lives. I thank you for my mother who fought so hard for my faith. I thank you for the moms who fight so hard for the faith of their children and their own faith. And I thank you for the moms in this room who battle every day for that. God, would you give them strength? Would you give them security? Would you give them significance as they spend time in your presence? Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to have kind of a special special time um, where we honor moms as well. Um, and uh, I know we don't do this enough. Um, we don't honor moms enough. Um, so our children's ministry is going to come out um, real quick um, with uh, some flowers and I'm kind of waiting for that back door to, to swing open and all the, the children to, to rush out. Um, but they're going to come out with uh, some flowers. So come on out. if uh, Come on out, Jackie. Um, and so what we like to do is we like to ask just the, the moms um, in the room to stand up. And um, our kids are going to come out, and they're going to give you some flowers. So if you're a mom in this room, um, if you just want to go ahead and stand up, and our kids will uh, find you. And yes. So if you're a mom, just keep on standing. We'll find a rose for you. So this might take a little long, but we talked about mom life is messy, church life is messy. So come on back, kids. There's some more moms over here. Over here, buddy. So the a few more moms, raise your hand if you need a flower. 
Raise your hand if you need a flower. He's got one. Yep, yep. All right, everybody, everybody has a flower, moms? Okay, hey, at this time, if you are a mom and you've gotten a flower, go ahead and stand up one more time. Go ahead and stand up one more time. Um, I think from myself and from everybody in here, we just like to thank you. So um, why don't we just give you moms, you incredible, awesome moms, a big round of applause. Awesome. We'll have a seat, and Larry's going to close us out. Awesome. Thank you. Hello again. Thank you, Awakened Kids. That was sweet. Sweet as sugar. Um, happy Mother's Day. What a great day to come up to announcements. Uh, I'm so excited. That mom game is real, though. You guys are great. I, I actually, I was, I was thinking, you know, we had a little bit of, a quiet time this morning at my house. My kids were a little pleasanter, uh, which was nice. Uh, we prepped the night before, and they got it half right, so that's more than better. Um, uh, that was good. And um, I think it's really cool, I was thinking this morning, to really celebrate Mother's Day in community, too. It's uh, uh, 